The 116th Psalm happened to be my father's favorite psalm, and he would read it often. He could quote it. Uh, I uh, also can remember that uh, if you'll look at the uh, 117th Psalm, if you're wanting to start memorizing one of the Psalms, the 117th Psalm is the shortest chapter in the Bible, and for you engineers, it is the middle chapter of the Bible. Now, I don't know how all that came together, but the 117th Psalm says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. That's a great psalm to memorize. If you want to memorize a psalm, start with that one. Start off with a short one that's got a lot of truth in it. And when you go home, read it again. Look what all it says and just put it into your life. It is a word from God to us. My title for the message or the question I have for you today in the message is, what is your relationship with God? What is it? When, when you say, I have a relationship with God, okay, wonderful. Now, what kind of relationship is it? Is it just an awareness of God? Is it an intimate relationship with the Lord? Is it a personal relationship with the Lord? What is it? What is your personal relationship with God? Now, those that know the Bible know the story well. Not to, to put down anyone else, but David, of course, was a young man. He uh, had a lot of good characteristics. He got into trouble. He sinned. But God loved him anyway. And by the way, God loves sinners. Amen. God will take you back. God can still use you. You say, I blew it. I blew it. No, you haven't blown it. Not until the trumpet blows. When that blows, it's over with here. Because Jesus is coming back to this earth again. But when you think about the psalmist today, as we look at this together, I want you to put yourself, as I have put myself, in the position of the I. Let this be as if you were speaking to the Lord as we study this psalm together. Let me read it to you. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. The sorrows of death compass me. The pains of hell got hold of me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech you, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I always like that one. The Lord preserveth the simple. Well, I was brought low and he helped me. Return into thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Listen to verse 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believe, therefore have I spoken. I was greatly afflicted. I said in my haste that all men are liars. 
Then the question, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? I'll take the cup of salvation. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in, in the presence of all of his people. Verse 15 is a very special one. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We see that every week at Sagemont. We're leaving this world soon, and we're going to be in eternity. I hope we could say what this 15th verse says in our own life. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Verse 16, O Lord, truly, I'm your servant. I'm your servant and the son of thine handmaid. Thou hast loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Yes, he said that twice. And in the courts of the Lord's house, and in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. My question to you this morning is, and to myself, is what kind of a God do you serve? All of us have something that's become a God figure. There's some influence on our life. It could be the temptation that comes on a continual basis from Satan. It could be a temptation that comes to let someone else be our God, flesh and blood, and that's not acceptable to God. But what is it if somebody, and I've just asked you, what kind of God do you serve? If you say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe that you're telling the truth. There's something controlling your life. Now, you may be your own God. You, you, you may take the position, hey, I just do what I want to do. I'm smart as anybody, smarter than most. But you need to look at that question very, very carefully. Now, if you know what God you're serving, here's my number two question. What is your personal relationship to that God? If money is your God, you've got a boring partner. If fame and fortune is your God, you're headed for destruction. If you don't have a God that can walk with you when you're going through the valley rather than just coming to celebrate on special days, you got a problem. You see, we live in a culture, we have several special days, Valentine's Day, birthdays, anniversaries, Christmas, Easter. Oh, let's get a card, get a gift. That's our special days. Well, there's 365 days in the year. What are you doing the rest of the days? What kind of relationship do you have to your God? Is it a seasonal thing? Is your God the kind of one you call on when you do have a problem? As long as you're making money, as long as you have friends, as long as the doctor says, you know, you're just awesome, you, you're going to live on and on and on, if, if that's what you turn to, is that the real God? Have you chosen the wrong God? Whether it's money or fame and fortune and relationals, that's your choice. But what is your relationship to God? That's what I want you to think about for the next few minutes. When we speak of the great God Jehovah of the Scriptures, we're immediately in touch with what's called the Trinity. The Trinity. God the Father, help me, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. The Father, God the Father, in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. He put man on earth. Adam came, then Eve came. He created everything. He said, everything's made by me and for me, and nothing was made that was made. The heavens declared his glory. He said, I made those heavens. You like those sunsets? He says, I made them. I did that for you. I thought you needed one. Thought, how about the sunrise? The older you get, the more you'll like the sunrise, more than you'll like the sunset. Just trust me on that. That's for another day to talk about in detail. But God the Father, a father loves his kids. A father protects his kids. A father provides for his kids. Is your God doing that for you? See, these are tough questions. I know that. They're tough for me. But they're honest questions because this is where we live. We live in a real world. We don't live in a sweet by and by. We live in the nasty now and now. And every single day, every single one of us are tempted. We're tempted to fall, fail, get frustrated, get confused, give up, quit. Get rid of whatever problem it is, the quickest that you can. Well, now stay with me in the message. It's not only God the Father, there was God the Son. When man turned away from God, and the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin. John 3, 16, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God the Father gave his Son Jesus, and Jesus shed his blood on a cross in order that our sin debt could be paid. Now listen to me. All sin will be paid for. Either we pay for it ourselves or God pays for it through his only begotten son. That's what it means to become born again, salvation, a child of the king, an heir of God, and a joint heir with, with Jesus Christ. All of that is very clear in the Trinity. God sent his son, lived without sin. He said, when he was sent us, I can call 10,000 angels to wipe out the Roman army. But he said, I'm not going to do it. He laid down his life because sin has to be paid for. Amen. And then there's a, the Holy Spirit. The sweet, sweet spirit, and this place is one of my favorite songs. That sweet spirit is what comes when the preacher doesn't show up, your best friend doesn't show up, your life partner doesn't show up, your neighbor doesn't show up, please don't show up. Fire department doesn't show up. Nobody shows up. The Holy Spirit shows up. Because you see, the Holy Spirit lives in the life of every follower of God the Father and God the Son. He's a silent listener to every conversation. He's an unseen guest at all times. He is there with all power to protect. He is there with the power to convict. How many times have you found yourself making a decision, am I going to take it or am I going to leave it? Am I going to be like my friends or am I going to be like my God? That happens on a regular basis to every single one of us. Now, Jesus set the example. 
But we can do all things through Christ which strengthens us, but that strength comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, you do not get Jesus and then get the Holy Spirit, okay? That's not the way it works. Whenever you get the Father and the Son, and and when you get Jesus, you do have the Holy Spirit, but you can't you can't look up and say, now I'm better than everybody else because now I've got the anointing of the Spirit. God's Word is clear that the Spirit of God comes into the life of the believer at the moment that they are saved. It is a vital part. Now, the Holy Spirit has many functions. Like I've already mentioned, some comforting, convicting, and those kind of things, encouraging But it's not something that's greater than the Father, than the Son. You can't get away from that. But we're in the Old Testament, and he is setting it up. Look with me. As David explains why he worships a God, he worships. If you'll look in verse 2 of the 116th chapter, you're going to see point number one. He had a God that listened to him. Is your God listen to you? Don't you enjoy calling your doctor and he's not there? But call me Monday and it's Friday. It's good to know the great physician is available 24-7. Nothing's too hard for him. If you die, he just raises you from the grave later. I mean, you can't lose. But David says very clearly in that second verse, He says, because he's inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him. How long? Till I get saved? No. As long as I live. Many people, many people know that Christians oftentimes will come to the end of their life and they know it's the end and they want to go out in a prayer. That's the kind of God that David had. Do you have a God that's going to get with you? Are all your great friends going to really help you when you really need help? Who are you going to turn to when you stand before God, the Father, and he says, after your death, why should I let you into my kingdom? What are you going to say? If you can't say, and by the way, you won't have to say it, Jesus will step up and answer the question. He said, Father, he belongs to me. He is my child. He, through the power of the Holy Spirit, got saved, reborn, a new creature. Old things were passed away and never to be remembered. No more. Am I the only one that's come to this point in my life at times to time when I have this very unspiritual thought? Well, nobody will listen to me. I just get so upset. I've talked to so many. Nobody listens to me. Well, who are you trying to get to listen to you? (laughs) That's one person I want to listen to me. And he says, hey, when you say our Father, I'm there. When you say in Jesus' name, I'm there. When you call upon on the name of the Lord, I will be there. 24-7. Forever and forever and forever and forever. Look at verse 3 and 4. He had a God that understood. Listen, the sorrows of death compassed me. The pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow. Then called I upon the name of the Lord. Okay, that's what he did. He called upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech you, deliver 
my soul. Deliver my soul. He knew he had a spiritual problem. Do you understand today that you're sitting there right now or watching or listening and you've got a problem? You, you would honestly say, Houston, I got a problem. You, you would say, Pastor, I got a problem. Well, who are you going to take it to? There's some problem you're going to have. I don't know anybody can help you that you can reach by telephone. But I know somebody that will meet your needs absolutely free. And you don't have to be on the Internet. You don't have to have a mobile phone or anything else. God hears the prayers of his kids. You remember raising your kids? You remember how they go, oh, I got to go check. You thought, am I going to call 911? No, no. He just turned over in the bed. That's all it was. But God's available. And David said he understands. He understands. And verse 5 through 8 says not only does he understand, but he comes to the rescue. Listen to this. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple. I have brought low. He helped me return down to my rest, O my soul. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. He said, God, you've done it all. I could read these verses over and over again to you, and you'll find something new in them. But the main point I want to get to you is that God is gracious, he is righteous, and he is merciful. Look at the fifth verse again. He exalts the humble. Look in verse 6. He delivers from death. Look in verse 8. He dries the tears from our eyes in verse 8. And he keeps our feet from falling in verse 8. That's the kind of God David had. What kind of God do you have? What kind of God do you have? I know a lot of people go to the television, they buy things to hang around their necks, so if I ever have a problem, I just push the button. I know good and well if I ever bought one of those and pushed the button, they'd be busy because you pushed the button just before I pushed the button, so I can't get there. <laughs> and then the payments were a little bit high, too. But I know a God that's grace is sufficient. I know a God that won't send you a bill. I know a God that can handle whatever we face in life. It's a God of David. It's not something that New Testament guys picked up on. It was from the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Well, we're getting the tough part now. We're almost through. In verse 9, we've heard about him. Let's talk about us before we close. My question is, how do you respond to a God like the one I've just told you about? How do you respond to him? Well, let's see how David responded to him. Verse 9 says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now, what does that mean? Listen carefully. What he is saying is, I will walk on earth with a full awareness that wherever I go, Whatever I do, whatever I say, my God is listening, watching, and leading me. Amen. Darkness is for Satan. Light is for Christians. I challenge you with the Bible. Go with all your research books, and light is him, and darkness is Satan. 
that clear. God lets us walk in the light as he is in the light. He is the light. He is the light of the world. Don't ever think, don't ever think that you can go to a place that's so dark that you can hide from God. Don't, don't ever think you can move. I don't care how many borders you cross and how far you go, you can't run from God. When you leave here and go there, he's there to meet you when you get there. That's the kind of God David had. Well, you say, I don't have a God like that. Would you like to have a God like that? Yeah, but I can't afford it. Yes, you can. It's been paid for. He doesn't have a master card. He is the master. He is king of kings and he's Lord of lords. He holds it all in his hand. All he is saying to us today is the same thing he said to David thousands of years ago. I will take care of you. And then he says in verse 2, Because he has inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. He says, I'm going to call on him when I need help. And verse 12 says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? Well, now it gets quiet. Now it gets quiet. You say, well, what does the Lord require of me? For you to be obedient, to you to walk in his footsteps, for you to obey him. And when you read this passage of scripture and you see that, that David says, you know what? I need to quit going to people that can't help me. There's only one that is 100% cure. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. If you've tried adultery, you've tried alcoholism, you've tried drug addiction, you've tried profanity, you've tried eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow I may be dying. You say, I've tried it all. I've lived in every kind of house. I've lived in all over the place. I've done everything, many jobs. Oh, I got so many friends. I got so many friends. I got so many friends. Let me tell you what. I'm always careful I get around people got friends everywhere. Because the truth of the matter is, probably the most friends any one of us have might be five or six, you know, that do what the Lord would do. Lay down his life, come to you, give everything that you had and so forth. It's the thought, though, of the world that their way is better than God's ways. And then I like this one. Maybe this is my favorite. Is the 13th verse. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. He says, I'm going to constantly remember my salvation. I asked you many times, can you remember when you got saved? Some of you say you can. Some of you say I can't. Oh, I wish you could. I wish you'd do research. If you get to the point and say, I really can't remember, I wish you'd say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner, and save me. If I put something in the way and I'm not thinking clear, dear God, I'm thinking clear today. I know that you are righteous. You're perfect. You sent your son to die on the cross. Lord Jesus came and paid for me with his blood. The Holy Spirit is convicting me because I want to be right with you. I want to live my life here as your child, and I want to spend eternity with you. And take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. He says in verse 14, he said, I'll pay my vows unto the Lord in the presence of his people. He said, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to give up my time. 
I'm going to give them my talents. I'm going to give them my substance. I'm going to give whatever God's given me. I'm going to give it back. But folks, you want to be a giver, not a taker. You'll never be happy if you're a taker. I don't care if you got millions of dollars or you're dead broke. You got to be a giver. And if all you can give is a word, a look, and a touch, you're going to see people today and I'm going to see people today that nobody's spoken to them in a long time. And when you just say good morning, you look good. It's going to make their day. And you don't have to use your MasterCard. You don't have to use any of your credit cards. You don't have to worry about if the check will bounce at the bank. It's paid for. The love of God is contagious. It's contagious. And I love that 14th verse where he said, I'm not going to be ashamed. With all of his people, I'm just going to let them know I am one. Before all of the people, he did this. And then in closing, the 15th through the 19th verse, he said, I'm going to be faithful. Precious is the sight of the Lord is the death of his saint. O Lord, truly, I'm your servant. I'm the servant, the son of thine handmaid. You've loosed my bonds. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I'll call upon the name of the Lord. I'll pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all the people and in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem, praise ye the Lord. Man, he says, everywhere I go, I am going to be faithful. Who is your God? How is your relationship working out with that God? If your car was going bad, you'd think about trading it in. You don't trade anything in to get salvation. It's absolutely free. God takes what you have and makes it new. Old things pass away and all things become new. In Revelation 3, last book in the Bible, Verse 21 is a final word of encouragement I give you. John's on the Isle of Patmos. He's fixing to die. He's writing the book of the Revelation. He comes to the end. He says, for whosoever will can come. The Spirit says come. The bride says come. The bride is the church. The Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And then he says, and whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. And in the 21st verse of the third chapter of Revelation, We read these words, to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne. You see, he's looking for some overcomers, not from some, well, I tell you, since I was little, I've just been perfect, special. Everybody says I was the cutest thing, and I had the greatest personality, and I just brought joy to the party. No, 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 no. No, that's not what he's talking about. He says to him that overcomes, be an overcomer. Just to confess you're like the rest of us. You're a sinner. Put it under the blood of Jesus and then say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord.